Alright, what's going on everybody? And welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. And as you can see, if you happen to be browsing the calendar, you will once again see that today is Tuesday. And that of course means that it is another Titans Tuesday. Aye, aye, aye. On the Jim Bratton podcast and the Tennessee Titans really I don't, I don't want to say this was a shocking win but just obviously based on the way that it all came down and the fact that the game ended up going into overtime after the Titans sort of battled back against the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday afternoon. I guess that was the one thing that was a little shocking. And, of course, the Titans, as I was just alluding to, did pull out the 27-24 to overtime win against the LA Chargers on Sunday, which to move to one and one on the season, which is very significant because in terms of the playoff potential that knock knock on wood that this Tennessee Titans team has, it was number one, it was very important for them to get the win at home, obviously. And number two, as far as the playoff argument goes, as far as not wanting to put yourself in the 0-2 hole, if you will. There's very interesting stat that I keep getting reminded of every year, it seems like, that since, I believe the stat is that since 1990, Teams that start off the season 0-2 only make the playoffs 13% of the time, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. But it's just crazy, just crazy what sort of random statistics get compiled over the what sort of statistics have been compiled over the years. But anyway, what I'm going to be doing today is I'm going to be sort of running down some of the pregame takeaways that I had about this Titans-Chargers game. And then from there, I'm going to be talking about what the Titans did well offensively, both in terms of the running game and especially for all of you Ryan Tannehill supporters and detractors, if you will, the the Stanahill, I guess I could call them the the Stanahills, talking about people that are fans of Ryan Tannehill, certainly there's plenty of them after Sunday, so I'm going to be talking about that, and I guess now that 
week two of the NFL is in the books. I'm going to be sort of just like much like I did last week, just running down the scores and giving a little bit of insight as far as where we are in the broader context of the NFL after week two of the regular season. But pre-game takeaways, by far the, the biggest takeaway for me in the pregame was the absence of Peter Skaronsky at left guard. Certainly, when you take an offensive line or anybody in the first round, but especially your high-prized starting left guard, first-round draft pick, Peter Skaronsky, you you certainly want him to be on the field, but uh, he was sidelined due to illness, I believe, some sort of non-football-related situation, and hopefully, hopefully he doesn't have to miss any more time than just the Chargers game, obviously. Hopefully, the Titans will want to get him back into the lineup in week three against Cleveland, but he was out on Sunday, which, of course, led the Titans to say hello, Newman, and give the starting left guard job to Xavier Newman. And, of course, one of the interesting things about the O-line situation, the left guard situation, is that I do not believe Xavier Newman even finished the game, because at one point I remember seeing Dylan Radens in the lineup at left guard. And it was interesting because in the pregame chatter that was going on with Titans media and national media and blah, 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 more so the Titans media than the national media for obvious reasons, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, uh, everybody sort of assumed that Dylan Radens was going to be the starter at left guard. But I guess throughout the course of that game, the Titans decided to make a change and insert Dylan Radens into the lineup a little bit later on into the Chargers game. But let me get to, that was pretty much my, my main pregame takeaway as it relates to the Titans lineup. Let me get to this Titans offense, and let me start off by talking about this Titans running game. And one of the big things that the Titans wanted to do, obviously, and Hopefully, to, hopefully that you would think that this would continue going into week three. You would definitely hope and pray that that is the case. But you've got to put 
if you're the Titans, you've got to put a definite emphasis on the running game. And one of the things that the Titans hopefully keep doing as they move forward is continue to make Derrick Henry a focal point of this offense. And let me get to some of Derrick Henry's numbers and the reason why they are so significant. And, of course, this is one of the reasons why the Titans were able to pull out a win here. Uh, Derrick Henry finished the game with 25 carries, 80 yards, and one touchdown. And one of the things that's really interesting to me is it's funny how the Titans always seem to do so much better when Derrick Henry gets at least 25 carries per game. I was, uh, I had to just go back and look up the box score from the Saints game a week, two weeks ago. I guess it'd be two weeks ago at this point, heading into week three, but Derrick Henry only had 15 carries in week one against New Orleans, and Obviously, as I just said, in the Chargers game, he had 25. And do you, do you see the, do you see the difference in the, in the result of those two games? They, they took a loss to the Saints in week one, and obviously they beat the Chargers in week two with Derrick Henry getting 25 carries in the Chargers game as opposed to only 15 in the Saints game. There seems to be a bit of a correlation there. But anyway, 25 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown for Derrick Henry against the Chargers. So, as I just said, hopefully this is a trend that the Titans will hope to continue as they move into week three, apparently. And again, you could tell early on in that first half how much the Titans were were missing Peter Skaronsky. Not just as far as the running game goes, but also in the pass protection game, because not, not just, and it's not just because of the left guard situation from Sunday, but the left tackle situation also continues to be a, shall, shall we say, bit of a question mark for this team, because Andre Dillard, has he's got to get better, man. He's just 
got to improve. I mean, the one play that I remember watching one play where the Titans went for it. I believe it was on one of their fourth down conversion attempts. And I know that you're facing a defense that features Joey Bosa and, and of course, neither Joey Bosa or uh, Khalil Mack, who is getting up there in age, but he's still a still a fairly productive player, I would say, but neither one of them were even in on this particular play. It was it was Kenneth Murray, the middle linebacker for the Chargers. He just and I don't know what was even going on in the protection scheme or what have you, but Kenneth Murray just blows by. I believe it was Dylan Radens in the game at the time, and also Andre Dillard, obviously, at the left tackle spot. And Kenneth Murray just blows blows through the line and sacks Ryan Tannehill, obviously causing a turnover on downs in favor of the Chargers. Not... Not the best look for the Titans' offensive line. And that is really just something that has got to improve, especially when you're going into into a Week 3 matchup against the Cleveland Browns and you're going up against, oh, I, I don't know, Miles Garrett who is probably, we can assume, going to be matched up on the left side against Andre Dillard the majority of the game. The Titans have got to do a better job of game planning and mainly executing as far as the offensive line and the protection, not just in the passing game, but also the running game creating lanes for Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears as far as that is concerned as well. And again, hopefully they they get Peter Skaronsky back. Hopefully Peter Skaronsky was the one missing link from the Titans' cohesive offensive line, or at least as cohesive of an offensive line as it can be, but the protection's just something that's got to improve, okay? It has got to improve, but that's really enough about the running game. Let me switch gears and talk about this passing game really quickly. And I know a lot of the Stanahills are going to enjoy some of the things that I have to say about RT-17. He, uh, Ryan Tannehill, what a guy, man. He really really did a good job of sort of getting the bad taste out of his mouth from the Saints game where he threw the 
three inter- not one, not two, but three interceptions. Two of one of which was not entirely his fault, two of which definitely, definitely were his fault. But the just bounce back performance that he had was against the Chargers was just extraordinary to watch. And certainly it it wasn't pretty at times, especially in the especially earlier on in the first half, and there's certainly some things that he's gotta do a little bit better as far as being quicker with the football going through his progressions and all of the intricacies of managing the pocket and just all of the X's and O's intricacies of playing quarterback in the NFL are concerned, but he did. Bottom line is, he did what he had to do to get his team the win and put his team in position to get a win. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, isn't that really, isn't that really the only thing that matters? Wins and losses? I think so. I think it is. But let me get to some of these just dime throws that Ryan Tannehill made that really helped guide the Titans into that position to win. Second quarter, this man just launches a big, I believe it was a 70-yard dart to Traylon Burks, which set the Titans up in the is definitely in inside the Chargers red zone. I believe it was might have been inside the ten yard line, matter of fact, but I can't remember exactly what where the Titans were on their side of the field before Tannehill made the pass, but it was a seventy yard pass to set the Titans up for the Derrick Henry touchdown run two plays later, which made it 11-7 after the Nick Folk extra point. That was actually the Titans' first touchdown of the season. Literally, the first touchdown of the season was that Derrick Henry touchdown run, and it's just a shame that it had to happen six quarters into the regular season. My, a lot of te- doesn't take a lot of teams six minutes to score a touchdown, let alone six quarters, but, you know, you... you t- We'll take what we can get at the end of the day, I suppose. So that was a big thing. Uh, the, the third, another pass that came up in the, 
Actually, it was, wasn't a pass. It was a run, actually. It was the 12-yard scamper that Ryan Tannehill made in the third quarter at about the 10-minute mark or so to actually give the Titans the lead, a three-point lead at that point in the third quarter. And, of course, Ryan Tannehill got, got his ceremonial finger roll that he seems to that he seems to do as far as his uh rushing touchdown celebration is concerned obviously that's something that makes the Stanahills very 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 happy but that touchdown pass in the Fourth quarter was the, of course, the four yard throw to Nick Westbrook Akine, which again put the Titans back in the lead 24 21 following the Nick Folk extra point. But before that, there was an- another bomb, and I cannot remember the exact yardage that came from this play, but of course, Ryan Tannehill, we all know what he can do when he's coming off of play action. I've got a very interesting stat about that that I will get into a little bit more in just a minute, but I believe this was another play action pass. The Bomb to Chris Moore, which of course helped set up that four-yard strike to NWI to give the Titans a, as I just said, 24-21 to lead following the Folk extra point. That was another big thing as well, and it's just, what else can you say, man, about Ryan Tannehill? When when he's on, he is definitely on, and that was evidence not only in those throws and not only in the way he conducted the passing game of the Titans offense, but also in the in the box score as well, because RT-17 finished 20 of 24 passing for 246 and the touchdown. 20 of 24, four, four incompletions, not, not four interceptions, thankfully, like the three that he like the three interceptions that he threw in the Saints game, but four four incompletions, man. That's a really big thing when you're talking about the progression of the Tennessee Titans offense. And again, as I just said, certainly there are some things that he's got to improve on as far as timing and quickness and pocket awareness 
at times are concerned, but still, you've definitely got to give credit to Ryan Tannehill when it is due, certainly. And he did some very good things that kind of made you kind of made you think maybe maybe this Ryan Tannehill guy's okay after just okay enough after all and it was kind of one one really quick takeaway about Ryan Tannehill it's pretty funny to me to see all of the trash talk that gets thrown his way from Titans fans on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it nowadays about Ryan Tannehill saying, oh, he's he's trash. He's terrible. And, of course, he just goes out against the Chargers and puts up a 20 of 24 for 246-yard passing performance. And... I'm slowly starting to come to the conclusion of you know what maybe we should just maybe we should just keep throwing shade at Ron Tannehill as Tennessee Titans fans certainly certainly it seems to light the fire under his belly and inspire him to keep producing maybe maybe we ought to go forward with with the whole reverse psychology thing, because it really does seem to be working. So, that's my two really big takeaways from the Titans offense. The defense, let me say this very quickly, and yes, I'm much like it was with the Saints, in week one, when Alvin Kamara was out, uh, the Chargers were also without Austin Eckler, who is their primary ball carrier, if you will. And the Titans run, de- even with that being said, the Titans run defense continues to stand out to me because they only gave up 61 rushing yards against the LA Chargers, who, to be fair to the Chargers, are more of a pass-heavy offense now that Kellen Moore is calling the shots. And, of course, we all know how pass-happy Kellen Moore was when he was the offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys really make really makes sense as to why Kellen Moore is no longer the offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys, especially when you look at the way the Dallas Cowboys have started their season and the difference that the play calling makes there. I'll get to I'll get to them boys a little bit more in greater detail in just a second. But the run defense for the Titans just continues to impress me. And as I've said 
on this show before, regardless of how many games the Titans do end up losing this season, the defense is not going to be the reason why. So that's major takeaway from the defense. Before I move on to the scores from around the NFL in week two, I want to come back to the Ryan Tannehill stat that I sort of forget. It slipped my mind and I forgot to mention it a little bit earlier, but I do think it's a very important point to make. I mentioned how good Ryan Tannehill was and has been throughout his entire career, really, coming off of play action and coming out of play action passes. Uh, Next Gen Stats had a very interesting statistic on Sunday afternoon, and so I want to give credit to them for that. And let me see if I can get the exact statistic right here. On Sunday on Sunday against the Chargers, Ryan Tannehill completed seven of nine of his passes coming off of play action and averaged about 11.8 or 12 yards per, per attempt or excuse excuse me this is not this was not even on Sunday since last year I had to make sure I get this right since last year he has averaged 11.8 yards per attempt using play action that is 1.6 yards more than any other quarterback. And so he was 7 of 9 coming off of play action yesterday. And of course, I was talking about two of those play action passes earlier and how big they were as far as the Titans offense is concerned as far as setting up scoring plays. That's which is a very big thing. So hopefully this trend will continue for the Tennessee Titans offense. Again, Ryan Tannehill, 7 of 9 off of play action on Sunday. And since last year, he's averaged about 12 yards per attempt on play action passes, which is... 1.6 yards more than any other quarterback. So that's just another interesting statistic that, again, will make the Stanahills very, very, very happy. But I digress. Moving Moving on to what went on around the NFL in week two before I get out of here. Going back to Thursday night, this past Thursday, as week two got underway, obviously the Philadelphia Eagles were able to 
pull out a close win against the Minnesota Vikings, 34-28. So that was this past Thursday night. The Atlanta Falcons edged out a one-point win over the Green Bay Packers, 25-24. The Bills... Knocked off the Raven, the excuse me, the Raiders by a score of 38 to 10. The Ravens knocked off the Cincinnati Bengals 27 to 24. Pretty big game for Lamar Jackson, not so much for Joe Burrow as he is once again. Seemingly aggravated the the leg injury that he's been dealing with over the course of the preseason. And it's interesting how Jamar Chase sort of advised him to him being Joe Burrow to hold out until about week five, which I would have I would have had no problems with as a Titans fan because the Titans played the Bengals in week four and hopefully that would have worked out very well for the Titans matchup and Jamar Chase obviously hoped it would have worked out well for his quarterback's health timeline, if you will, but it may end up working out in the Titans' favor anyway, because Joe Burrow, depending on how much time he has to miss, may or may not be available for week five, but we will have to wait and see how that goes, but Ravens get the win over the Bengals 27-2. to. 24, the Seattle Seahawks edge the Detroit Lions 37 to 31 in overtime. Obviously, the Titans edged out the LA Chargers 27 to 24, also in overtime. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers earned a 10-point win over the Chicago Bears, 27-17. The Chiefs held on against the Jags, 17-9. The Indianapolis Colts pick up a AFC South win against the Houston Texans, 31-20. The San Francisco 49ers do what the San Francisco 49ers do, and they picked up a win against the L.A. Rams. The New York Giants, the G-Men, came back in the second half to beat the Arizona Cardinals 31-28. to Um. Not super thrilled about, not nece- not necessarily the result of that game, but just what, what happened to 
Saquon Barkley really hurts me as far as fantasy football is concerned. And obviously, I've got some... I don't really have the time to... I don't really have the time today to get into the fantasy football side of things more so than I did last week. But let's just say I have quite a bit of general managing that I need to do over the course of the next 24 to 48 hours as far as making up for the Saquon injury. (laughs) But anyway, I digress. Uh, So the Giants beat the Cardinals 31 to 28. The Dallas Cowboys, who are apparently starting to morph into the, I don't know, the, the 85 Bears, the Legion of Boom, Seattle Seahawks, especially on the defensive side of the ball in particular. They beat the New York Jets 30-10, which really isn't that impressive based on the fact that Aaron Re- that the Jets don't have Aaron Rodgers in the lineup. But nevertheless, it is a win, certainly. The Washington Commanders, or as Buck Rising has referred to them before, the Washington Commanderskins football team pulled out a win over the Denver Broncos, 35-33. to And yes, I'm once again obligated to say this, Broncos country, let's ride. So, Washington gets the win over Denver. The Miami Dolphins pick up a win over the New England Patriots, 24-17. to And of course, in last night's Monday Night Football double feature, the New Orleans Saints pick up a win against the Carolina Panthers and the Pittsburgh Steelers knocked off the Cleveland Browns. And very heartbreaking situation to see what happened last night to Nick Chubb, much like it was on Sunday afternoon with Saquon Barkley. And so certainly Nick Nick Chubb's injury is much more serious than... Saquon Barclays, but certainly, certainly it's it's a pretty it's a pretty scary time for a lot a lot of these a lot of these teams right now as far as their running backs getting banged up and hurt is concerned and very very scary situation. Very scary situation indeed when you look at the extent to the extent of which some of these running backs are getting banged up. But I suppose that's just the reality of the way things are in the NFL. It's a pretty 
pretty scary business, as we all know. But with that being said, that is that is pretty much my take on week two. And of course, we're at the point now when we get into week three, week four, week five, we begin to see a little bit more and learn a little bit more about if these teams are legitimate contenders or not. And we start to definitely separate the contenders from the pretenders, if you will. And it's going to be very interesting, very interesting time in the NFL over the next two, three, four, five weeks as we head into the mid-season, which will be about the time I begin to keep up more in detail with the particular divisional standings and other things of that nature as far as they are concerned. Very, very exciting time. Very exciting time indeed, but it is still early and as I was just alluding to a little bit earlier, teams are very much still trying to work out the kinks and find find out what their identity is as a football team. But as I was just alluding to, very exciting time and certainly we're going to have a lot of fun with figuring all of those things out. As far as the Titans are concerned, heading into Cleveland in week three, I mean, we will see, we will see how things shake out for them. Certainly, as I've said before, they'd like to get Peter Skaronsky back and They'd also like for Andre Dillard to maybe do his job a little bit better. And certainly they're hoping to also continue to keep Derrick Henry involved. And which, if they do that, that will, of course, allow Ryan Tannehill to come off of the play-action pass scenario a little bit more. And, of course, I've gone on and on about how successful that has been for him. But certainly going to be another very exciting week of football coming up. And the Titans maybe have a little, little bit of a toughie in week three. Certainly the Browns will be without Nick Chubb which continues the trend of opponents the Titans have faced being without their superstar running back. And certainly I would hope that, knock on wood, the trend of dominant run defense that the Titans have been playing continues. But we will just have to we will just have to wait and see how that all shakes out on Sunday afternoon in Cleveland, won't we? Won't we? Going to be going to be a lot of fun heading into NFL 
week three. That is for sure. That is for sure. But with all of that being said, guys, I've got to go ahead and hop on out of here for today. I want to thank you all so much for listening to this edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. I very much appreciate it, and I will see you soon.